This is Made in Montana News on the Treasure State Radio Network. I'm Jay Scott. The ACLU of Montana is considering more legal action against the state of Montana as the state continues to ignore a judge's ruling in April that temporarily blocked a recently passed GOP-sponsored bill that changed the process to alter the sex designation on a birth certificate. Back in April, Yellowstone County District Court Judge Michael Moses ruled that the state could not enforce Senate Bill 280 by issuing a preliminary injunction on the newly passed law. In his ruling, Moses said the law targeted only transgender individuals and was impermissibly vague. The law would have required proof of surgery and a court's approval for a person to change the sex designation on a birth certificate. But more than a month later, the state has failed to return to the status quo following Moses' ruling. Quote, the fact that the state refuses to revert to the previous processes evidence its lack of respect for the judiciary and utter disregard for the transgender Montanans who seek to have their birth certificate that accurately indicates what they know their sex to be. If the state continues to violate the preliminary injunction, we will have no choice but to seek relief from the court. That's a statement from the ACLU. A 2017 administrative rule allowed people to alter their birth certificates through an online form. After SB 280 was passed, that form was taken down and has not resurfaced online despite Moses' April ruling. The Department of Public Health and Human Services says it is working with the State Department of Justice to review the preliminary injunction. Quote, Potentially affected requests are temporarily on hold as DPHHS works with the DOJ to review the preliminary injunction ruling and its implications. That's according to DPHHS spokesman John Ebelt in an email. In 2021, two transgender Montanans, Amelia Marquez and John Doe, sued the state over the law saying that the law serves no legitimate government interest, singles out transgender residents, and violates the state's privacy clauses, including disclosure of medical records. The ACLU of Montana represented the plaintiffs. Legal experts say when a court issues a preliminary injunction, from the time that it is entered, the party that is enjoined is required by law to obey the injunction and violating the injunction could result in a contempt of court order. The new computing building at Montana State University in Bozeman will be named Gianforte Hall after a $50 million gift from the Gianforte Family Foundation to MSU. Quote, we want to thank one more time the Gianforte Family Foundation for the generosity of this gift and what it represents for the future of not only Montana State University, but actually for the students of the state of Montana. That's MSU President Wadid Cruzado at the Regents meeting where the name was approved. Governor Greg Gianforte and wife Susan Gianforte are the lead trustees of the foundation. They also gave $8 million to MSU in 2016 for the naming rights to what is now the Gianforte School of Computing. 
The move comes despite an existing Board of Regents policy on naming Montana University System property notes that, quote, naming in perpetuity should only be considered for transformative gifts, and states' property may not be named after a person currently employed by the state of Montana. The policy also notes the regents will not consider such a naming until at least one year after that individual has left public office or announced a leave of office. However, the rule also states the regents may consider exceptions. At the meeting, at least a couple of regents described the gift as transformative. Back in April, MSU held a required listening session on the proposed naming, and the Bozeman Daily Chronicle reported that faculty, students, and staff all spoke against it, sharing concerns about the governor's criminal assault on a reporter and anti-LGBTQ laws he assigned, among other objections. At this week's meeting, more students raised similar objections to the naming. Regents, however, praised the gift. A recent full-page ad placed in the Helena Independent Record asked Governor Greg Gianforti, along with other state and local officials, for specific action to address what it calls Montana's housing crisis. The ad was placed by Habitat for Humanity. It asked the governor and other state officials to begin putting state and local tax dollars towards housing subsidies ensuring that construction regulations encourage dense urban development and expanding the use of community land trusts. Quote, Helena Area Habitat for Humanity agrees with the push to make Montana a place where people can live and work and thrive. That's according to the ad. It continues, but Montana has quickly become inaccessible to those who currently live and work here, let alone those seeking to come home. Housing is too expensive, and there isn't enough of it. Helena Habitat Executive Director Jacob Kuntz says that Habitat officials have seen the region's housing market change in the past two years and says Habitat needs to take a more vigorous approach to housing advocacy. According to Kuntz, a schoolteacher, police officer, or state employee could find a place to buy in Helena without paying more than 30% of their income. That's the threshold generally considered affordable by mortgage lenders and housing experts. Helena area homes are up 66% in price in the last five years. A national database cited by the Washington Post last month, which includes only multifamily rentals, indicated rents in Helena's Lewis and Clark County were up 36.5% since 2019. It's the fifth largest percentage increase in the U.S. for counties with at least 1,000 multifamily rentals. Kuntz added, What made Montana great and Helena fantastic was that it was a place that was a great place to live and people could afford to live here. Now it's out of reach. Habitat's advertisement says that the average home price in Helena as of now, is $462,000. Affording a basic home, it says, now requires an annual household income of $124,000 a year, making ownership a stretch at best for a family with two adults, each working 
$50,000 a year jobs. Montana state environmental regulators say they are, quote, unable to comply with parts of a new state law requiring them to implement new water quality standards without risking the state's authority to oversee its water quality program. Under an agreement with the Federal Environmental Protection Agency, the Montana Department of Environmental Quality holds primacy over the Federal Clean Water Act, meaning it has regulatory authority to set up pollution limits and issue discharge permits. While the federal agency delegates the power to the state, it still holds final approval over the state's actions. In 2015, EPA approved DEQ's numeric water quality standards for nitrogen and phosphorus. Numeric standards replaced narrative standards in place at the time. Last year, the legislature passed Senate Bill 358, which rolls back the numeric limits in favor of a return to narratives. Supporters of the bill said numeric limits are too expensive and impossible to meet. Supporters of numeric standards say they are both the most scientifically defensible and precise means of protecting water quality by providing measurable pollution limits. After a suit from the group Upper Missouri Waterkeepers on May 10th, the EPA notified the DEQ that four sections of Senate Bill 358 do not meet the requirements of the Act, and EPA said it would not approve those sections. State officials said the EPA issued a hard no on changes made to the non-degradation portion of the water quality standards. The Empire Builder has resumed daily service on Monday after cutting back during the pandemic. The route takes passengers between Chicago and Seattle with multiple stops in North Dakota and Montana. Quote, this announcement is long overdue, and it's great news for folks living on the High Line who depend on daily Amtrak service to support our state's rural economies and stay connected to family and friends. That's U.S. Senator John Tester in a statement. Tester worked in 2020 to include funding for a federal COVID-19 relief package to reverse the previous service cuts to the Empire Builder. He's also advocated for a federal study examining the possibility of restoring service to what was Amtrak's second line through Montana, the North Coast Hiawatha, which was discontinued in 1979. Amtrak officials say they've hired close to 1,500 new employees this year and are reopening routes across the country. Missoula County officials are looking into a resort tax in the Lolo area to offset the cost of infrastructure improvements. The Lolo community needs some major infrastructure upgrades, including help for the water system. To help pay for the upgrades without raising property taxes, Missoula County officials are suggesting a resort tax for the area. The resort tax is in the early stages of development, and county officials say there are lots of steps left in the process. No date has been set as to when the county will bring the proposed tax to the public. According to the state of Montana, a resort tax is a small percentage fee that would be applied to hotels, restaurants, bars, and luxury goods. 
If you need to hear this report again, please check the podcast on our Treasure State Radio or KGRT-DB webpages. Made in Montana News is podcast worldwide. With listeners in 46 U.S. states and Canadian provinces in 24 countries on six continents, we also post our stories on Facebook. Made in Montana News is heard on the Treasure State Radio Network, including KMEH 100.1 FM in Helena, Elkhorn Mountains Radio in Jefferson County, Homegrown Radio in Bozeman, King West Radio in Billings, ResCast Radio on the Fort Peck Reservation, PIVA Radio of the Northern Cheyenne Nation, and Crow Res Radio of the Crow Nation. That's Made in Montana News. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Treasure State Radio Network.